broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation, back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio for the next three hours. Unnecessary Roughness, Damon Cotton, Got Lindsey Brown by our side. And, of course, I'm your boy Q. We'll be with you till I say, three hours. Really, it'll be up to about 4.20 as we'll make way a little early for Aviator Baseball as we did on yesterday's show. So uh, 4.20 yesterday, 4.20 today, 4.20 tomorrow, and then 4.50 on Friday. Just a little bit of a programming note uh, for us getting off the air a little bit early. But that doesn't mean that we don't have an action-packed show. And I'll tell you right now, if there's a day that I needed an action-packed show, it is today. Some days coming in and doing radio is the best thing you could ever do in life, and that is what today is going to be for one Q Myers. <laughs> so that's how we roll into today. And matter of fact, we're going to start with a really good interview off top in about, I don't know, in about three or four minutes. Matt Verderam from SI Now, uh, Monday morning quarterback, uh, been covering the NFL like a glove for a long time, but he put out a particular article that I was very interested in, especially since it's NFL draft season. So his piece was basically on teams that are successful when it comes to the draft and teams that aren't successful. And again, it's a really good piece he put out on SI.com. And whenever I see something that really catches my eye, I like to bring it to the table because sometimes they just slip through the cracks and people don't see them. And I think at this time of year, especially with the draft being, well, coming up next week and we'll be live from Kansas City, excited about that. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit more than just luck. It's not just lady luck. Sometimes there's a good little science to it. And some teams, they understand it and other teams don't. And everyone here on Raider Nation Radio 920 is very excited about the next step that the Raiders as an organization are going to be taking in the NFL draft with the staff, Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly, Josh McDaniels, Patrick Graham and company, as they're starting to put together what they hope to be is many long runs and many drafts that are successful for the Raiders that give them a better ranking than where they're at right now in this piece. But again, it's called NFL Draft Ranking the Best and Worst Teams at Picking Players. So we'll talk to Matt Verderam at about 2.05 here on Raider Nation Radio 920. At 2.30, as we continue with our mock draft, we're up to pick number nine. We ended up yesterday with my guy Michael Rothstein from, the, from ESPN covering the Atlanta Falcons, and he ended up with B. John Robinson, the big-time running back out of Texas. So we put that up on the board. So up next is the Chicago Bears. So we'll talk Bears today. We'll also have Eagles uh, featured on the show and we'll have the Tennessee Titans. DeMond's Tennessee Titans will close things out at number 11. And in between all that, we'll have a feature on Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech as his head coach, Joey McGuire, will join the show coming up at 3.30. So Courtney Cronin from ESPN will join us at 2.30 to talk all things Chicago Bears. Make that pick at number nine. At about 3.10, Mike Gill from 97.3 ESPN in Jersey. He actually gets off the air at 3 o'clock our time, Pacific time. He's on the East Coast, obviously. Gets off at 6. He's going to join us a matter of minutes after he ends up with his show to make the Eagles pick at number 10. Joey McGuire at 3.30, the head coach at Texas Tech, and Teron Davenport at 4 o'clock closing us out, talking all things Tennessee Titans. So as you can tell, we're locked and loaded. I was on a pre-draft conference call this morning with Todd McShay from ESPN talking some more NFL drafts, so we got that all in the way. And we got surprises that we'll give out in the meantime, in between times. So don't blink. If you do, the show will be over. Again, we have DeMond Cotton behind the wheels of steel. Lindsey Brown is in studio, and I'm with you as well. Again, taking you all the way up to 420 as we make way for Aviator Baseball. So uh, in a matter of seconds, we're going to jump into the opening drive. And matter of fact, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. 
The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. And kicking us off in the opening drive is our good friend Matt Verderam, SI Now, Monday morning quarterback. And Matt, thanks so much for your time. We definitely appreciate you. And it caught my attention when you put out the piece, NFL Draft, ranking the best and worst teams at picking players. Of course, it's draft season, so that's where we're locked and loaded. The Raiders pick at number seven. When you were putting this piece together, what did what was kind of like the criteria? What was the, I don't want to say science project, but what was the math problem when it came to how these teams were going to be ranked as far as how they draft uh, players? Yeah, it was, a, it was a fun piece to put together, and, and the formula, obviously, inexact. But basically, I did it on a point scale. So I did it like if you drafted a guy who was the first team all pro, the second team all pro, and then went into, you know, if the guy, um, and he has to be still on the roster today. You don't get any points if the guy was an all-pro, but now he's not there. He's, okay. he's not part of the future. So it was, it was that. And then I felt like it had to translate into some kind of success. So I gave points for if you want regular season games, and then obviously you got more points just further advance. So um, it was kind of an exercise to see where teams have been the last couple of years and what the future might hold because – Again, you only got points for the players if they're still there. So um, it was a little bit of a, of a weighted system, but it was, a, it was a fun thing to try to tackle. I can I can imagine, and it's always been something that has intrigued me, you know, because I look at certain organizations around the league and I say, man, they just get it. They're really good at drafting players. And then I look at other teams, I say, they just don't get it. They're not really good. And without even kind of going back and running the numbers, what is it about certain teams where it just seems like they figure it out more times than not? I think it's a lot of times continuity and just you have an identity through that. You know, I, whenever I think of those characteristics, I think of the Ravens, mm-hmm. uh, I think of the Steelers, I think more recently of the Seahawks, who, you know, John Schneider, Pete Carroll have been there forever. Um, Brad Beach and Andy Reid, they've been there for a long time. I think the Bills are starting to get there now with, with McDermott and Dean, who have known each other back, uh, dating to their Carolina ties together. So, you know, there are certain teams that you look at, and I think they're very comfortable and aware of who they are. They know, okay, this is the kind of guy we want. This is the kind of fit we're going to need here. And they're really good at marrying, yeah, the best player available, but also the need. I think sometimes you hear best player available, and people just assume, oh, the top guy on the board. Mm-hmm. If, if the top guy on the board for the Bills is a quarterback, they're not taking him. Right, like they they need to you know, marry that BPA with me. I think all, some of these teams that have been together a long time, they're good at that because they they understand what what everybody else in the building is thinking and what they need. Matt Verderam is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Lindsay, got one for you? Hey, Matt, uh, with your ranking here, because we just mentioned there's haves and there's have-nots. There's people that figure it out and some people that are still searching in the dark. But in your mind or ranking, who has underperformed the most in accordance with their draft positioning over these last few years? You know, it's funny. If you go back and look, the Colts, I, I don't have the rankings in front of me. I think the Colts are second or third in the rankings. And it's because they drafted Leonard and Quentin Nelson, who – have been major studs at their position. The problem is neither one of them plays a premium position. And around those guys, they haven't drafted very well. I mean, those two guys, you couldn't have two better picks. I mean, Shaq Leonard, of course, now he's dealing with injury. But I think some the teams that you'll look at, I think, to your, to your point, are underperforming. You know, I think you'll look at a team like Minnesota that you say, you know, they've hit on some picks. Justin Jefferson, mm-hmm. one of the best picks you could have. They found some tackles. 
uh, and Darashawn O'Neal. They, they've done that, but they've lacked on the defensive side. They haven't, I think a lot of times when, when I went through those rankings, you found teams that they, everybody has some successes in the draft, but a lot of times a lot of turnover. Some of those guys got moved out even if they were successful because new regimes came in. So I think a lot of it is which teams just couldn't find a way to win quick enough, and they just kept churning GMs and churning coaches. And then for the teams that are maybe on the rise that are a little bit lower, I know that the Jets are in the 20s, but they are a team that, hey, you the offensive end rookie of the year when it comes to offense and defense. But do you think a team like that, that maybe they're on the rise, but just for your rankings, they were left off a little bit short? Yeah, I mean, the, the ranking for them was simple. This past draft, if we, if we were ranking this year, they would have been number one. Um, the problem is they haven't turned any of this in the wins, and they haven't found a quarterback. I mean, the last two times they've drafted a quarterback, it's been a disaster, right? I mean, Zach Wilson didn't work out. Sam Darnold didn't work out. And like, as you all know, I mean, you, can, you can draft every other position in the world. If you can't find a quarterback, none of it matters. And the Jets now, obviously, are trying to get Aaron Rodgers in the building. Not that he's a long-term answer, but he's an answer, at least for now. Um, that has been the Jets' problem. And, again, the Jets are another team. It, how many coaches have they had in the last 40 years that they've had for more than three or four seasons? And not many. So um, this past class really sets them up well if they can find the quarterback, and not just Rodgers, but the guy who, moving forward, will give them an answer and give them some stability there for 10, 12, 15 years. Again, we're talking with Matt Verderam here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness, talking about his piece that he has on SI that you got to check out. It's a couple days older now, but it's really intriguing. NFL Draft ranking the best and worst teams at picking players. So as I'm looking, you mentioned Baltimore, and so let's go to Baltimore. You know, Daniel Jeremiah is a guy that I get to talk to quite a bit during this draft period, and he always talks about they just were very confident in what they were doing. They pick. He always tells a story about picking Terrell Suggs when they didn't need him, but he was just the best player available, but also a really good player. So uh, Baltimore just seems like they always get it and then to me something that was smart about what they did and I know that they're dealing with the Lamar Jackson situation now but they were smart enough to trade it to the back of the round one to get Lamar so they got that fifth year option how much having that franchise quarterback long term helps in this ranking system a ton because if you have that guy you're probably winning a bunch of games too I mean like I said a lot of the ranking was predicated on how well you drafted but also it doesn't matter if you draft one it doesn't turn into wins you gotta win Right. I mean, if you're not winning, you could draft you could draft as well as anybody. You're you're getting fired. <laughs> so part of it was, you know, you got a point for every regular season win, and then I think that rubric was and it's in the piece, but it's like two for a wild card win, four for a divisional win, uh, so on and so forth. I mean, that's why the Chiefs finished number one. The Chiefs have drafted in the last five years, the only all pro they drafted was Creed Humphrey, who was a second team all pro. Now they did get Tommy Townsend, the punter, who was the first team all pro this year, but he was undrafted, so he didn't count toward the draftable rankings. They're number one because they just keep winning. Now, obviously, if you went back one more year, Mahomes is in that class, and there you go. But, um, you know, I think if you have a franchise quarterback, you're going to win a lot of games. If you're, if you're the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Bills, the, the, the Bengals, um, you're going you're gonna to elevate everybody mm-hmm. on that team with that quarterback. And so, um, listen, the reality is if you're going to win it all, you got to do both. You got to draft well, and you've got to find that quarterback, whether it's by draft, by signing, by trade, as the Rams did with Stafford. Like you've got to, got to find that guy, or you might be good, but you're not going to be great, and you're not going to sustain it. 
Well, Matt, once you find that quarterback as well, that buys you a little bit of runway in terms of, of your front office. Hey, we can miss on this draft because we have this figured out. We can maybe get a little bit more creative with these ideas, but sometimes that can come back around and hit you straight in the face. And with that in mind, which NFL franchise is in the biggest danger to get fleeced or taken advantage of in your mind, just either by incompetence or by the, the context in which they exist this season? Well, I think it's a good question. I mean, one of them would be that immediately comes to mind is the Chargers. The Chargers have the quarterback, but I don't know that they have much else long-term. If you look at their cap sheet next year, it's insane. They are paying ungodly sums of money against the cap to Mack, Bosa, Allen, Williams. And they're going to they're gonna be in a spot where they're going to lose many of, of those players here in the next year to two years. I would think Mack's probably in his last year in L.A. Uh, Keenan Allen's probably the same boat. Mike Williams may have two years left there. Um, you know, James, Derwin James, they just signed to a huge money deal. Obviously, he's great when he's on the field. But the Chargers are a team you'll look at. Okay, you're going to have to pay her. I mean, I'm in the mm-hmm. middle right now of researching and writing a piece and talking to sources about, hey, you know, what, what's Herbert's contract going to look like? What's Burrow's contract going to look like? And I'll tell you, it's going to, at least from everybody I've asked, agents around the league, if you rep them, what would it cost? I mean, it's going to be up for it's $55 million a year. So, if it's that, if that ends up coming to fruition, like they're they're not set up to be incredibly competitive around them based on what's there. They have a left tackle on Slater, but they've got a lot of other guys who are either injury prone. They have they have a coach who you wonder about. They have a GM who's nailed his first round picks, but has not been good in the second round and beyond. Um, and what that's left them with is a bloated cap and a roster that really, after you get past the first five six guys, you look at and go, who, who's there? Who's the guy you can rely on? Um, they they have a lot of work to do. Matt Verderam is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. We're talking about team success in the draft, and obviously that's hoping for teams that it translate into wins. And so, Matt, you, you know, that nugget that you just mentioned about Justin Herbert and maybe $55 million, we just saw what Jalen Hurts got. We know what Deshaun Watson's getting. We know what Lamar Jackson wants. So with all that being said, if these guys start getting paid money like that, how much more critical is it going to be that most of the team's rosters – are younger, cheaper guys that they have on those rookie deals. Yeah, look, absolutely critical. And I think so. I think the NFL is moving in a direction where teams are going to start allowing more and more guys to walk because, A, dependent upon how many guys you sign back, you get compensatory picks and you get cheaper. And if you've got that big quarterback – that might be a formula to go forward with. I mean, you, the Niners have a million compensatory picks. You know, that, that's something that part of that has been because teams have hired minority candidates away from them, and so you get compensatory picks to the league. But other times it's been guys who have, been, who have left uh, in free agency, and so the Niners have capitalized. Now, their team, they're kind of a unique case. They're, they're not paying a quarterback big money, but they're paying a ton of other guys huge money. Um, but you're going to see Kansas City do that. Buffalo is eventually going to be in a position here where Allen's just starting to get paid big this year. That's going to start happening. Cincinnati's got a few years. That's eventually going to start happening. But I think where the league's headed is if you're not a top, let's say, seven to eight quarterback in the NFL, teams just are not going to resign you. I think what's going to happen is it's going to be you're going to play at your rookie deal. If, you have, if you're a first-round pick, you have to fit your option, exercise the option, play out a couple of tags, Go ahead, hit the market when you're 30, and we'll go back into the draft. Because a lot of teams, look, there's no point in paying Kirk Cousins huge money. There's no point in paying 
some of these mid-tier guys who are good quarterbacks, but they're not good enough to win a Super Bowl. And so you're kind of just stuck in this limbo um, where you can't really win. And I think a lot of things is the money just soars for these quarterbacks. Look, the salary cap will rise to some degree with it, but it's becoming harder and harder to justify paying these massive deals for guys. And it's like, can you win a playoff game? Can you win two? I, I think that's kind of where the league is starting to shift. And in your most recent piece, you did name the highest paid player at every position. So which positions do you think that you're the, no matter who gets the next big deal at that position, you're not going to break the bank and be the highest paid because the market at that position is only going to continue to decrease? Well, I think right now, look, I don't think anybody's catching Aaron Donald for a while at Spencer's tackle. You know, we, when we saw Deron Payne get paid recently, we saw Jeffrey Simmons get paid what, the last week. Um, Chris Jones, the expectations, he will get paid again by the Chiefs on his third deal. You know, eventually here, Dexter Lawrence of the Giants, who's going to get paid, Quinn and Williams of the Jets. I don't know any of those guys are getting over $30 million a year. So Donald's got that locked down. I, you know, if you want to talk total value, I don't think anybody's even approaching Mahomes hmm. for a long time. I mean, you, look, everybody always looks at the annual value, and that's fine. Mahomes got essentially four hundred more, seventy-eight million dollars. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think. I mean, that contract. The funny thing is, the Chiefs and Mahomes would probably sign it ten times over, and right. I'd be told to be happy with it. But I, he's so unique, and that was such a uniquely structured deal. I think you know, if you're looking at it from that perspective, um, nobody's stopping it. But otherwise, I think most of these other positions. Now, those records for contracts are made to be broken. They'll continue to get broken as the cap skyrockets here over the next five, six years. And at the running back position, you had Josh Jacobs as the biggest challenger to Christian McCaffrey. Was that you just naming somebody, or do you think that Josh Jacobs could fetch that kind of money? No, I mean, look, if he goes out and he has another year, like, first of all, I mean, he's hoping to obviously get paid before this year starts. So mm-hmm. um, he's coming off a phenomenal year. But he's an interesting case. Like, he, his option was declined. And then he went out and was phenomenal. And so the Raiders have a decision to make. Are they going to invest in the back that they saw a year ago? Or are they leery because of the running back who certainly showed all that talent but was inconsistent and dealt with some injuries over the first three years of his career? So the Raiders are going to have a decision to make. I, I will tell you, I was torn because when you really look at the position, you have obviously Jacobs, you have Barkley, who's another guy who, is on the tag and, and is not showing up for work at the moment and is trying to get a long-term deal. Um, but I think Jacobs has a better case because even though he's been nicked up at times, he doesn't have quite the injury history that Barkley does. Um, and then, of course, look, in Indianapolis, there's Jonathan Taylor, who is at some point also going to get paid a fortune, uh, one would imagine. So I think those are the guys you look at that's the next wave of back. But after the year that Josh Jacobs had and how important he is to the Raiders, I put him tops among the guys that I think he could pick. Now, given our state as modern Raider Nation radio people here, we have to talk about the New England (laughs) Patriots. Just for a hot second, though, just for a hot second. uh, They're listed at ninth on your ranking list, but you say it's fallen off in recent years. What do you think has changed about their evaluation process, or was it the talent in those rooms years ago that was kind of the tide that rose all ships? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that was, frankly, the very beginning of that five-year window. Um, when they were still winning games and Brady was there. Well, I, I think the problem is, in my eyes anyway, Belichick is still the coach he's always been. He's still a great coach. When you watch them, some of the things that they do, um, they're so far ahead of the curve. They, they, they're still very interesting defensively. You know, They have a great pass rush uh, with Judon and Uche. 
my concern with New England is offensively, they don't scare anybody. And I think part of the problem with that has been that Belichick, the coach, is great. Belichick, the evaluator, is not been good for a long time. That team is not drafted particularly well, especially on offense and skill positions, for a very long time. And when you have Tom Brady, cover a lot of that up. Mm-hmm. A lot of that doesn't matter when you have Tom Brady. When you have Mac Jones, it matters a whole heck of a lot more. So I think, I think the Pats really need to self-scout and look at, okay, what is the problem? Why can't we hit on some of these picks? Do we have to bring in more of a traditional personnel department? But if they do that, is Belichick going to be okay with it? I mean, Belichick at this point is the New England Patriots. So um, I think they're in a really tough spot because you certainly don't want to insult Bill Belichick. But his draft acumen the last handful of years on the offensive side of the ball has been bad to be kind. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Matt Verderam is our guest here from SI.com, Monday Morning Quarterback. And Matt, we'll close out with this. As Lindsay said, we are Raider Nation Radio 920, so I wanted to ask about the Raiders. You have them ranked at 21 right now. Uh, Dave Ziegler, the current GM, obviously he came over from the New England Patriots. He wasn't the one pulling the, pulling the cards and making the decisions in New England, but he is now here in Las Vegas, he has 12 picks to work with, uh, starting with number seven coming up next week. How quickly do you think he can put his thumbprint on this organization and really turn over the roster with that much draft capital to work with next week? Well, it's huge. It's a huge moment for the Raiders. Look, they, they need to find answers on the offensive line. They need to find answers, frankly, all across the defense. I mean, Max Crosby's an incredible guy to start with. I like Hobbs in the, in the secondary, but... Yeah, look, they're going to need to find players at all three levels. I don't think that's any secret to anybody who's watched the Raiders over the years. And this is going to be a reality check for the Raiders in the sense, look, you're not going to hit all 12 picks. No, right, right. if he hits on all 12 picks, he should be putting the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Immediately. But, <laughs> right, but he's got it. Of those 12 picks, you've got to find four or five guys who are, to varying degrees, can really play. Maybe you get a couple pro boards. Maybe you get you know, another couple of guys who, they're not pro bowl players, but they're really good, solid starters. And then maybe you get another guy or two who can help you on teams, who are depth pieces. That's where this thing starts. But I think for the Raiders, with Garoppolo specifically, you got to build up front. you got to give them a chance to throw the ball. you got to give Adams a chance to work down the field. And then defensively, you got to throw up that secondary in a division where you got the Chiefs, you got the Chargers, you know they're going to throw the ball a lot. They've got weapons all over the place, especially the Chargers right now. That's going to have to be something that I think the Raiders can focus on. And if they do it, this is a huge opportunity for them to start catching up in the division and making some real strides. You know, and with having the number seven overall pick, if you're in that GM room, you know, are you looking for the quarterback of the future or are you looking for someone who can give you an impact on the field immediately? I would, I would right now, if, if they have – their board set, whoever the best defensive player is on the board, so I'm taking. Mm-hmm. Because they, to me, this draft, I got to say, from talking to a lot of people in the league, I don't think anybody thinks this is a great draft at quarterback. It's right. not a bad one. But I don't think anybody's blown away where next year there's Drake May and there's Caleb Williams and other prospects who are really excited. Like, let Garoppolo be the guy for the year. Figure out the defense, figure out some of the pieces up front of the offensive line, and then worry about the quarterback. I think he's a perfect bridge here for the next couple of years for the Raiders to figure it out. Well, we're going to see what, what they do, right? I mean, as early as next week. We'll see it sooner rather than later. We'll be in Kansas City. It should be exciting. Matt, what do you got coming out? What else are you working on on uh, SI Now that we should be on the lookout for? So uh, tomorrow, actually, got a piece coming out. I, I just had some fun with it. It's a mock draft where every pick got traded in the first round. Wow. 
Every single pick, we use the value chart to make sure it all lined up. I'll tell you this. The Raiders traded up significantly in the draft. So it was fun. <laughs> I had a blast with it. That comes out tomorrow. I hope people check it out. It's a, it's a twist on an, old, uh, on an old standby. And then next week, a week from today, I did a 40-year retrospective on the 1983 NFL draft. With Elway and Marino and Kelly. I talked to a lot of people, including people who were very involved that day in that draft. It was a lot of fun. It'll be a big feature on SI.com. I hope people check that out as well on the eve of its 40th anniversary. There's no doubt about it. You know, we'll be checking it out. You do fantastic work. We've been uh, friends for a very long time. I definitely appreciate your time this afternoon, and we'll catch up soon. Absolutely. Good. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much. Matt Verderam right there, SI Now, Monday morning quarterback on Twitter at Matt Verderam. And, man, 40 years already from that 83 draft. I mean, that draft was a special draft when it comes to quarterback. This one, not so much, but – Things could turn around. You never know. Well, and it's a cultural touch point for a lot of NFL fans. I know that I know that draft mostly from the 30 for 30 that they did yeah, retrospective. Yeah. And, and there were so many big storylines that still hold true today that were set course from all those decisions that day. And so uh, a fascinating bit. They got the creativity machine going at SI, man. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Some really good stuff. But, you know, going back to just what we were talking to them about, about the NFL draft, and it's obviously not an exact science. It's a, it's a little bit of lady luck. It has to be on your side as mm-hmm. well. But you've got to trust your evaluations. Again, some teams are just really good at it. The Raiders haven't been very good. I mean, we could just be, you know, call spade a spade. They haven't been very good as of late. They've gotten a few players like a Max Crosby, a Colton Miller. Uh, you know, they've gotten a couple other other guys that are that are good players Hunter Renfro Nate Hobbs I mean I know those guys have been mentioned but for the most part they haven't had that long-term success of course Josh Jacobs but I mean Lindsay when you look at it you got 12 draft picks I don't think that they're going to use all 12 right. but this is an opportunity to really add some super talent to your roster absolutely and there, there's people that are better evaluating talent there's people that are better evaluating value at that talent I think that's also where you have to look to make some some dividends in terms of can we get just as good of a player but can we also get something back and then I think the big elephant in the room that I think that they've rectified in the last couple of years is are we va- evaluating character well enough and right. so once you get that out of the way, you're able to see the the clearer picture for what these guys are, which are hopefully impactful players for your franchise for years to come. No doubt about it. So, again, thanks to Matt Verderam kicking us off on the opening drive here on Unnecessary Roughness. When we come back, we'll throw out the show question. We got one every day. We'll throw the show question out, and then we'll uh, turn our attention to our Unnecessary Roughness mock draft. We're up to pick number nine. So, Courtney Cronin from ESPN, she'll join us to talk all things Chicago Bears. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. So as we're going through our Unnecessary Roughness mock draft 2023, we're up to the Chicago Bears. We had Bryce Young go number one. C.J. Stroud went number two. Will Anderson went number three. At four, we had, who do we have? Anthony Richardson went number four. Uh, let's see. Jalen Carter went number five. I'm trying to read it from across the room. Number six was who, Damon? Tyree Wilson. Number seven was who? Christian Gonzalez. And then? Bijan Robinson. All right, eight. there you go. And so now we're up to number nine. So uh, we'll find out who Courtney Cronin, who's representing the Chicago Bears, she covers in like a glove for ESPN, who she's going to pick at number nine. But before we get to Courtney, I do want to throw the show question out there, and you can chime in on our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R, and I'll actually ask you two before, uh, before we get to Courtney, who was the draft pick 
that got away. Like the one that you really targeted in on and was like, man, this is going to be a really good player, and you're hoping the Raiders or your team or whatever. Like, DeMond, maybe it was the Tennessee Titans, and Lindsey, maybe, you know, you were in Minnesota, and you were saying, hey, the Vikings need to go get this player. Whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. we just want to know, who was the one that got away? 69187, keyword R&R. It is draft season, so we'd like to hear from you. So, Lindsey, I'll go ahead and start with you. Who was the draft pick that got away for you? Well, for me, when I was, you know, cheering for the Vikings, I've since, you know, changed my, my tune and, and become a professional, <laughs> obviously. But Frank Ragnow, who is a, a center who plays for the Detroit Lions, whenever you have a, a Minnesota proc make it to a first-round type of talent, you want yeah. to see that come back home, and especially with how many years the Vikings were in purgatory, and they still are in purgatory, when it comes to their offensive line, you're like, please, come to us but I think he was just a little bit too high and so it didn't necessarily make sense value-wise. But, man, there, there's a lot of drafts as of late where you have one position group where there's a huge run on it. It's yeah. not just quarterbacks. Like, wide receivers always right. comes to mind. Yeah. So you're always like, well, what if Jerry Judy would have went somewhere else? Yeah. You just never know. No, no doubt about that. So uh, I like that. I like that. Lindsey went a, a, a approach I didn't think you'd go. I didn't think you were going to go with the offensive line. snapper! There you go. Hey, you know what? I like it, especially since you had the ties there as well. That yeah. all that all made a whole lot of sense. So, DeMond, I'll, I'll, I'll turn the sticks to you. Who was the one that got away when it comes to the NFL draft? Well, for me, I was going to go Raiders specific, and I I think that 2019 draft was a real inflection point. That was the team, like that was the year you the Raiders could have. Hey, that's the year you could have done something, right? And it's not just the could miss. I'm just going to DK Metcalf and AJ I was, Brown. I was I was real bullish on on DK as well. I was I was bullish because he was so injured. Uh, back in college, and as a matter of fact, A.J. Brown was his teammate, right? Uh-huh. His teammate in college. A.J. Brown was the better wide receiver in college, in my opinion. Still a damn good Both wide receiver. Both winning the second round. Right. Jonathan Abram, 27. I know Cleve Farrell, but yeah. at 4 and 27, right. you could have gotten a, I'm not saying generational, but all pro-level receivers. No, there's no doubt about that. Raider Nation, we want to hear from you. I like that, DeMond. 69187, keyword R&R. Who was the one that got away? I'll tell you, and I think Raider Nation already knows for me it was Jalen Hurts. I pounded the table for a very long time when people called me crazy. I'm insane. He can't throw. He's this, that, and the other. He just led the team to the Super Bowl and signed a fat contract, super large contract. So for me, it was Jalen Hurts. Good value, too. Yeah, absolutely. Second round, I thought mm-hmm. the Raiders would be able to get him in the back end of the round one. Instead, they went with Damon Arnett, and we all know we'll how that see. shook out. We'll get back to this uh, question in a hot minute, 702-365-9200. That'll be the phone number when we have open lines and also the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. But joining us now on the phone lines is my good friend Courtney Cronin from ESPN. And, Courtney, definitely appreciate your time this afternoon. And last time that we hung out or last time we actually talked, the Bears had the, the number one overall pick. Now they've got the number nine overall pick. So what has changed with Chicago since going from number one to number nine? I don't think much has changed, Q, other than the fact that they're in a spot where they can either take whoever is there, whether it's an offensive lineman, defensive lineman at nine, or if the quarterback order isn't what we have all projected it to be through our mocks, if there's one that falls to nine and there's a team that's waiting in the wings, I don't know, maybe Tampa Bay or another team that needs a quarterback down the line, maybe the Bears are in a good spot to trade back and garner more draft capital. I think it's It's a unique spot for them to be in because of the options they have and also knowing when they last had the number one overall pick, they still had a ton of holes on this roster. And even now, all you know, about a month later, there's still holes that remain that they didn't address during free agency. So a lot of work to be done still. That has remained a consistent theme for Chicago throughout the offseason. Now I just think they have a little bit more flexibility in being in the top 10 still, not having to trade too far back and knowing that they can get 
a player that they value and somebody who could, you know, immediately impact the offensive or defensive lines right away in 2023. You know, and the, it's so funny. I, I'll always remember us being at the combine and all of a sudden the whole situation with Jalen Carter shaking out. And at that time, <laughs> the Bears still had the number one overall pick. And I thought Jalen Carter was going to be that guy. If some weird, strange scenario shook out, I mean, he's not taking any visits with anyone outside of the top 10 for good reason. Would the Bears take Jalen Carter at nine if he's available? I think they would. I mean, they obviously have to like really think about this and nobody knows truly all of the information that was gathered about Jalen Carter, whether he's, you know, a fit for this team from a cultural standpoint, whether there's anything more uh, that stems from that, you know, tragic car accident where, you know, a teammate and a former Georgia staffers lives were lost that, you know, about what Jalen Carter's involvement is on that. We truly don't know because we haven't heard from him on it. And certainly teams aren't going to talk about that in depth in the pre-draft process during media availability. So we really don't know what they know and what there is still out there. What we do know is that top 30 visits as of, you know, April 19th are over. So they will have gathered what they need to, and they will have enough to make a decision. But if he's there at nine, and I don't think he's going to be. I mean, just right. based on your guys' mock draft and based on the mock drafts that I've seen elsewhere and just knowing what te- how teams value him, at least right now, it doesn't feel like he's going to make it past Detroit at six. But if he's there at nine, I think the Bears have to give it some serious thought. And I think that Ryan Poles will probably end up drafting Jalen Carter if he is sitting there. Courtney Cronin from ESPN is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, going through our mock draft. And as you mentioned, uh, he's not available in our draft, but it's just interesting, just the different thoughts from uh, all the different beat writers, all the folks that cover the teams on Jalen Carter and where he stands with their, you know, their respective teams. So as far as needs, and you mentioned there's, there's plenty of holes, obviously. This is not one of these teams that is going to be a playoff-bound team and a deep-run playoff team in 2023. But, I mean, just is there an area that that you would lean heavily on like, okay, this is probably the first priority outside of Jalen Carter. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's such a toss up because the players that are available, like it's a cluster right yeah. now around nine. If, if it's not Tyree Wilson, maybe it's Nolan Smith. They could, that could fix their need for an edge rusher. Jalen Carter, if he's there, which I don't think he will be, but that is an immediate impact at the three technique position. And then Lucas Van Ness. I mean, there's a lot more edge rushers than there is like, you know, elite interior defensive line talent. But then on the flip side of that, Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson Jr., uh, you know, Project Jones, there's other guys who could affect the offensive line and potentially be your day one left tackle or maybe, you know, even even playing them somewhere else. So I think that they have a lot of options there at nine and players who probably are not don't have too much uh, variance in terms of how they're graded on the Bears board because of how they're stacked right now and, and who might be available. I don't know if you can go wrong with a number of those choices I just mentioned. What do you think about the cornerback position? Earlier in our draft, we had Christian Gonzalez go off the board. Matter of fact, to the Raiders at number seven. But what about Witherspoon from Illinois? That's a guy that I like a lot. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, no, I think he would be, I mean, my goodness, he's, you know, if he's not the top cornerback taken in this draft, he's second. And for good reason. He, this is a cornerback group. Like you're going to find some really talented outside corners in this draft class. And that's something when I think about the bears and their needs, it's it's something we've broached with Ryan Poles. They want to have three starting corners. And from, from that, you know, the two outside guys and your nickel. And I think that they've got that nickel spot 
pretty much solidified with Kyler Gordon. Jalen Johnson's going into a contract year and to have somebody else opposite Johnson would be a really good way to shore up the secondary and to make sure that you have someone that you could potentially pay down the line. So whether that's, you know, a second round pick for Chicago, whether it's something they wait until, you know, day three to address there, there's a good group of them. I just, I'm curious to when that run is going to start on corners because we know that the top heavy group, uh, it is a top heavy group of the guys that we expect to go in the, you know, the first 10, 12 picks beyond that. I know that there's numbers there. We just don't really know like the order in which those guys are going to go. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. Again, Courtney Cronin is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 talking all things Chicago Bears and their pick at number nine. You know, another deep class in this upcoming draft is a tight end position. And I look at Chicago and think that, you know what, they can fill a lot of voids, you know, and and create a lot more talent around Justin Fields. Uh, Where is tight end as far as priority for Chicago? You know, it's actually pretty low on their list because Cole Komet, is in the fold and he is due for an extension. He's up for eligible for an extension. Now, whether they do one or not, like they would have, you know, they have the, they have the flexibility to do one and they haven't already done one. Does that mean they won't No, But like, I, I just think that's kind of an interesting thing. And then they brought Robert Tanyan in from green Bay. He was a free agent and he's your stretch of the field guy. So I honestly think they're pretty solidified at the tight end position and they did a really good job getting, a value-based tight end in Tanyan to pair with Cole Komet, who might be more of an inline blocker and finishing in that role this year. I think that's a really good pairing for an offense that's pretty reliant on the two tight end sets that they sometimes deploy, but also having tight ends that are willing to block. Right. No doubt. No doubt. And then DJ Moore has a nice addition, right? And so, you know, nice addition to the the wide receiver core. And it's funny, you know, because I, I keep hearing from the Raiders' point of view that they were really interested in that number one pick, but they were trying to give up Darren Waller. So going back to your point about the tight end, and the Bears preferred a DJ Moore. So, uh, you know, how about the wide receiver position? Is there anybody like a Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnson, any of those guys uh, that would interest the Bears? Yes, but I just I wonder about the priority list because Jackson Smith and Jigba, of course, his ties with Justin Fields, mm-hmm. somebody that he played with at Ohio State. That's the natural, you know, inclination to think, hmm, this might be somebody that they're really interested in. It would be a good fit. You give Justin Fields another weapon that he's already comfortable with, doesn't have to, you know, start over from scratch building that rapport. Of course, that would be great, but is he gonna be there? And, you know, how do they balance the needs? Like until we until we go through round one and find out, okay, this is truly the position that they value the most and how the board falls, right now we think it could be a handful of them. It could be offensive line. It could be defensive line. Certainly receivers in need. I just think with this group, whether it's him, Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, you, you're probably looking towards like the like p- pass where they're picking at nine and it's just going to be valued. It's just, they're going to be valuing it based on like who's there at nine and not trying to overdraft, if that makes sense. Because if there's an offensive lineman, they know they can't get a couple picks later if they were to trade back or if they were to wait. They've got a big old gap between nine and 53. Like if there's somebody that they want a, a position that they really want to strike on because they're worried, A, about a player not being there and also B, like there being a run on that position, they can't pass that up. So that's what I, I keep looking back at the offensive line and the defensive lines thinking that that's probably where their focus is going to be, but that's not to say that wide receiver isn't a need and something that they should address on day two. 
Well, there it is. You hear the noise right there. You heard the little sound, the little chime. You know what that means, Courtney. You are officially on the clock here on our mock draft. Bryce Young is off the board, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson. We have Anthony Richardson, Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson, Christian Gonzalez, and Bijan Robinson selected by the Falcons at number eight. So Chicago officially on the board at number nine. Where are you going with that pick? With that pick, I'm going to take Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. Very versatile offensive lineman, played tackle for Northwestern, and had a great college career. I know the the record wasn't uh, reflective of that for the Wildcats this past season, but he's a terrific player. He's a local prospect. The Bears sent a lot of people to his pro day last month, and I think that they like the flexibility that they have with Skaronsky. A lot has been made about his arm length. Mm -hmm. Is it too short? Is it going to affect him at the next level? Well, you can kick him inside to play guard if he doesn't work at tackle. And then you have, you know, somebody who could be uh, a 10 year veteran at that position, somebody who could help shore up one of the spots on the interior that was kind of, you know, uh, an issue this past year. So I think the position flexibility with Skaronsky, the high ceiling nature of this prospect, he, has a high football IQ from people I've talked to. And and it seems that this team really is intrigued by what they can, like where he can fit here in the moving around on the offensive line that this allows them. This to me seems like a no brainer. If he's sitting there, it bears to take him. It makes sense. It really does, especially if versatility is something that they're looking for and they don't mind, hey, if he doesn't work out a tackle, then we can kick him inside the guard. If they need a tackle specific, maybe he's not the guy. But if they have holes at both spots, why not take a guy that's versatile like Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern? I like the pick, Courtney. We're going to put it up on the board next to your name. It's etched in stone, so it's going to be Courtney Cronin holding it down for ESPN, covering the Chicago Bears like a glove. All right, Courtney, well, what else you got going on? I know you're a busy, busy woman. What do you got going on that we should be on the look? out for you know it's just like the mad dash to the finish line all this draft (laughs) content up at espn.com i'm just trying to make it cute like we just want to get to saturday april 29th and have all of these 10 picks for the bears done and then we can start writing about this draft class and you know seeing where the holes still remain for the bears and how they're gonna try to fill some of those things in the remainder of free agency, but it's, I mean, it's been an intriguing couple months and it's been fun to cover Ryan Poles and this process that he's going through this second go around with the Bears during the offseason. It has been a lot of fun. I mean, we talk about it's a lot of work. I can't wait till vacation time coming up in late June for me. But, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun throughout the whole process of the draft and the NFL. And, well, the NFL knows that. That's what they do. But, uh, you know, great stuff, Courtney. Definitely appreciate you as always. Uh, Get ready. It's coming up next week, and we'll know for sure where everything is going. But uh, great pick at number nine. We definitely appreciate you this afternoon. All right. Thanks for having me, Q. No doubt about it. Courtney Cronin, ESPN right there. We're going to put Peter Skaronsky for Northwestern guard slash tackle because Chicago looks at him as both. So I think he's going to ultimately end up being a guard. But, uh, you know, if he's got that versatility, that's a good thing. Just like uh, the Raiders GM Dave Ziegler, he uh, he talks about that versatility all the time. So Peter Skaronsky is on the board. Uh, that means that on the clock is Mike Gill in the Philadelphia Eagles. He'll join us about 3.10 to give his pick for Philly, and then we'll also have pick number 11 with Teron Davenport from ESPN coming up at 4 o'clock. But we want to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200, and also our don'tbebroke.com text sign, 69187, keyword r Who is the draft pick that got away, the one that you really wanted the Raiders to take, or maybe another team that you were looking at, you were really focusing on, think that guy should go to that team, you're kind of upset about it. Let us know about it, 69187, keyword r This is Raider Nation Radio 920. 
It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Who was the draft pick that got away? That one that you were pounding the table for. Gotta get him, gotta get him, gotta get him. Didn't get him. Might have gone on to be a real successful player. Might not have been. You know, there's been times that I've wanted the Raiders to grab players and they didn't turn out to be worth the salt. So I was like, well, glad they didn't go in my direction. But there's been times that I've pounded the table for a player and they ended up going on to be really good players like Jalen Hurts. That was my example. So we want to hear from you. 69187 keyword r Who was that one draft pick that got away? Got a text here from the 253. Wanted Dak Prescott. We got Connor Cook. And the funny thing about that is, Lindsay, the Raiders actually made the move to go up and get and jump the Cowboys and get Connor Cook because the Cowboys wanted Connor Cook. They wanted Paxton Lynch, if you remember. Oh, Paxton Lynch. Remember the gift that, that keeps Tetris. on giving? <laughs> right. So Paxton Lynch they wanted, didn't get him. Then they wanted Connor Cook, didn't get him. Settled for Dak Prescott as a compensatory pick in the fourth round. Ended up being the best one out of all of them. Yeah. Beat out Tony Romo. Well, it was more like Tony Romo's back gave out. Right. Regardless, it all worked out well for them. But they the took him run. out to pasture after he did get healthy. It was like, oh, no, this is Dak's team. Oh, Dak took it. Yeah. Took that job. Absolutely. So there you go. I like that one. Uh, Connor Cook uh, got, well, ended up with Connor Cook, wanted Dak Prescott. And I'll tell you, I didn't know too many people that wanted Dak. And I was in, in Central Texas at the time. And I remember all the Cowboy fans called in. I was like, Dak Prescott, great. This is going to be Tim Tebow 2.0. Right. And Dak turned into be a pretty good quarterback now. He's catching hell now, <laughs> you know, but that just shows it's you how life cycle out there. You see not? how fast it goes, Lindsay. It's oh, like, all right, man. one minute you're, you're great. The next minute you go from being sugar to being, well, you know, the rest of the saying. So there's that. So we want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. How about a historian on the show? Raider 66. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Well, good afternoon, guys. How you doing? We're blessed. Uh, well, mine, yes. I go back 40 years on this one. This is the 40th anniversary of the 1983 draft. So, I'm going old school, and I wanted John Elway. Mm-hmm. And the Raiders got shafted on that by the NFL. You ask anybody that was involved with the team back then, of course, most of them are gone by now. But uh, if, you, if you've if you ever seen the 30 for 30, Elway to Marino, mm-hmm. you know it was documented that the Raiders, that Al Davis was going to set up three ones and two twos to get Elway, and uh, he went to the Broncos for two ones and a backup quarterback. Uh the NFL is not going to let the Raiders get them. They had just won the court battle in 82 the year before and won the right to go down to L.A. And then they win the Super Bowl in 83. Can you imagine that? They go from Plunkett to L.A. Right. To win the Super Bowl. Oh, right. my God. Yep. And then you got Marcus Allen, and then you get Tim Brown in a couple of years. They would have been set. So the NFL was not going to let that happen after Al kicked their butts in the in the courtroom. But that's the one that got away from me, and I talk about it for the last 40 years now come draft time. Thanks to you for the time. <laughs> hey, Have that, a great day. You too, brother. Thanks for the call. And, yeah, that's that's going to be one that I think. And, Damon, you mentioned that you got, what, a, a direct message on Twitter or you got a hit up by, and said the same thing, John Elway? Yeah, from NC Raider. Yep, he said yep. the same thing. Yeah, see, that's I know that that one's going to be one that's definitely going to uh, resonate with Raider Nation because that I, I think about – uh, the Chris Paul denial when uh, when oh, in the NBA the, the 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 commissioner at the time was it Stern. David Stern yeah he decided he decided that Chris Paul wasn't going to be a Laker uh, he did that well the NFL did the same thing when it came to the Raiders they made sure that John Elway was not part of the silver and black so I knew that that was going to come up a really good one matter of fact Robin Oakland hits us up on our don'tbebroke.com text line I apologize ahead of time for not engaging the spirit of the question but in terms of the Raiders franchise as a whole and the gap in performance between our last Super Bowl win and our last Super Bowl appearance. The pick that got away is John Elway, but that was out of our control. That's from Rob 
in Oakland. How about Hardcore Raider? He's up next. What's on your mind, brother? Welcome to the show. Hey, Q, thanks for taking my call. Yes, uh, you know, I don't want to ride your coattails, but uh, I'm going to ride your coattails. So uh, the most recent has got to be Jalen Hurts, you know. Uh, I wasn't pounding the table quite as hard as you were, but, like, I really felt just something different about this dude. If, you know, like, I, I like to look at guys that aren't always getting the hype, but they're hungry. Like, they're just so hungry they're going to do whatever it takes to succeed. And Jalen Hurts, like, I just felt like he had that, uh, that drive in him. So if you go back – draft imagine if the Raiders would have traded up instead of standing on the sidelines twiddling our thumbs if we would have traded up and Mm -hmm. used the 2021 first round draft pick to get Jalen Hurts that would have looked at that would have been looked at as like a crazy like what in the heck are you guys doing but instead we get uh someone called Pleatherwood which was some fake leather and he didn't have any wood knock on wood if you're with me he didn't have none of that in him and it was a big swing and a miss meanwhile Jalen Hurts just took a team to a Super Bowl, and we're sitting here going into this draft wondering what we're going to do. So, again, as you know, I'm big on Hinton Hooker, mm-hmm. and I think Hinton Hooker has that same drive, you know. Um, you know, I do like a lot of the – you know, I'm excited for the draft. I will say that. Whether we go defense, whatever happens, there's a lot of things that can change our franchise that all you know, that I think will be exciting for all you know, everybody in Raider Nation. But they definitely have to get it right. Yep. Uh, you know, even if they don't get Hinton Hooker, uh, you know, we got to get it right. If we do get hit and hooker, there's potential where we get another draft pick. And I'm telling you, if that happens, I won't be mad at it because if we can get another second round pick, I've been looking at it like just two and through. There are some super studs in the second round that are going to fall. There's always guys that fall, but I'm just excited to see what happens uh, even in the second and even third round. So thank you. Hey, uh, Hardcore Raider, thanks for the call. Definitely appreciate that. And yeah, Jalen Hurts is definitely the one that got away from me. And I mean, look, even if they didn't you know trade up and get into the second round because remember that year they didn't have a second round pick so basically they had two first didn't have a second and had three threes if they it just used their second first round pick on Jalen Hurts at the time Lindsay would have been like what are you doing you don't need a quarterback at 19 right but you know who you got you got Damon Arnett you know what everyone said what are you doing <laughs> who the hell is Damon Arnett that was a bad pick from the get-go everybody yes! evaluated yep I was like and it's so funny With I was the at the house hand. right I was at the house and I was watching the draft and they and and the wife was like, "All right, who are they going to pick?" And I was like, "It's going to be a cornerback." AJ Terrell had just gone to the Falcons, so I was like, "Well, it can't be him." That's who I thought, but it's going to be a cornerback. And they said cornerback, and I thought I was a genius. They said David Arnett, and I said, "Huh?" <laughs> like what? what? What in the hell was that? So uh, yeah, let, let us know about it, Raider Nation six nine one eight seven keyword R and R seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. Who was the draft pick that got away? It's Raider Nation Radio nine twenty.